Hello and welcome to another episode of the Compile Swift podcast. I'm your host, Peter Whittem. In this podcast, we talk about everything related to Apple platforms and Apple development, including macOS, iOS, iPadOS, watchOS, tvOS, and any other OS they've invented this week. So with that, let's get on with the show. All right, everyone, it's been a busy week, so let's just jump straight into some news. Okay, so this week... Uh, Apple put up on the Swift.org website the Swift 5.2 development snapshots. And there's also some nightly snapshots. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means that we can download Swift 5.2 and start playing around with it. Now, it's worth pointing out that these are not official releases. They're just snapshots. So they haven't gone through all the usual, you know, testing and everything else that you would expect for a final release. So as always, think of them as pre-release. Be very cautious, but they are there for you to download. I will put a link in the show notes. Now, as part of that Swift 5.2 release, there's also a blog post up on Swift.org talking about the new diagnostic architecture. And what's important there is that you will find that they've started to integrate uh, better support for Swift UI. So as an example there, you know, as we all know, any work you've done with Swift UI, the uh, error reports that you see in Xcode and in the logs and everything else, they're not exactly the most helpful in the world. Well, hopefully this new diagnostic architecture is going to help with that. And it should start to, you know, be a little more accurate and a little bit more useful. So instead of kind of you know, as an example, some error that says there's an error on line 15 and, and you go look and let's say, yeah, line 15 is blank and you're wondering what on earth's going on. Well, hopefully this new architecture is going to help pinpoint a little better and give some better details for us to really start, you know, debugging Swift UI better and a little more accurately, I would hope, so that we can go along and fix the errors and, and start working with that. So that's the Swift 5.2 release. Uh, like I say, it's not a final release, but I'll put a link in the show notes for the diagnostic architecture. There's a blog post as well by Pavel uh, Yaskovich, I believe the name is. Um, it actually goes back to October of last year, but I think it's worth reading. Uh, also, in other news this week, um, there was a reminder. Well, actually, it was December 23rd this went out, but reminder from Apple on the developer portal on the news feed that, you know, UI Web View API is basically going to go away. As a reminder, for those that you don't know, that's the, you know, UI Web View is the API would you, you would use for pulling up web pages and that kind of thing. Now, you know, Apple has been telling us for a while that we need to move over to WK Web View as soon as possible. Uh, you know, of course, they cite improved security and reliability, but basically they're making the old one go away and we need to start using this new one. So what's the timeline on this? Well, you know, basically they say that the App Store is no longer going to accept new apps using UI WebView as of April this year. That's 2020. And apps that currently use it and, you know, are out there. So not new apps, but let's say updates, uh, for example. You know, those that are using the UI WebView, um, they will no longer be accepted as of December 2020. So... Yes, you could argue there's plenty of time left, but as we all know as developers, time goes very fast indeed. So you may want to go over and start looking at WK WebView um, and start, you know, migrating your code base. I will again put in the show notes uh, a link to that 
report on the news and updates from Apple. And with that, that's the news this week. So when we come back after the break, I'm going to talk about what I've been doing this week and, you know, some discoveries that I've made. Time for a break. Break time over. On a couple of personal projects this week, I was thinking about, you know, helping myself out in the future. And so this led me down the path of looking at some of the testing tools in Xcode in particular. And of course, that means, you know, the UI testing and the unit testing. So, you know, there's a couple of recommendations that I want to give you that have really helped me out this week. And I found really most interesting and sort of helped clear up some of the the mystery around this testing and code coverage that, you know, sometimes developers tend to try and stay away from because it's this kind of mystery bucket of tools that essentially is designed to find flaws in what we do. And as developers, of course, we never like that, right? Um, but in particular, like I say, there's a couple of that I want to point out. And, and I'm not an affiliate or, you know, I don't get anything kickbacks or anything like that for promoting these. These are just ones that I've been using this week that have really helped me out. So, you know, the first one is a Ray Wendelick book, which is iOS Test Driven Development by Tutorials. Uh, there's a link in the show notes, of course. And this is a book that actually, funny enough, I've had uh, quite a while. I got it in a, a package uh, last year with a lot of the other books and never really got around to reading it. So I started reading that this week. And what I like about it is, you know, rather than just explaining the syntax and the tools and how to do things, because they're done by, you know, basically done by tutorials, you sort of get a bit of a, not a real world, but you get experience of an understanding of relating it to code that exists, right? Or code that will exist, as opposed to just, you know, here's the syntax for something, now go figure out how it works with your project. So that's the first one. And the second one is actually something that I resubscribed to. My my yearly resubscription came up and I, I recommend it to everybody. And, you know, that is a shout out to CocoCasts.com. You know, again, link in the show notes. But in particular, this week, I've been looking at the testing category, which has some interesting tests in there, not only to explain about, you know, how you turn on code coverage and Xcode and, you know, using some schemas to to make life easier, that you can just switch schemes and on add them to targets and all those kind of things in Xcode to just run your tests but also some good examples of why you would want to test and things that you would want to test and how that testing helps you write better code. So uh, there's those. And another one on CocoCast that was good was, you know, the idea of creating this kind of mock system to, to test APIs and that kind of thing. Another one that I looked at this week, which, you know, I really was hoping would be better, but it was actually slightly out of date. But Later in the week, I found a newer course, and I need to watch that. But there's one on Plural's side, but it was actually back in 2014 that the test, the course was written. And so I found that, you know, it, it wasn't that helpful because the tools are so old and, and that in the examples. But there is a newer one on Plural's site, and I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So I need to watch that one this week. So that's some, it's what I've been doing this week is writing a lot of tests, in particular, my, my blog post app that I'm writing on Mac OS, that's uh, one that I've, you know, is, is in the very early stages. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start writing tests and 
learning how to write tests for that and, and putting those in place. And it's funny how, you know, this idea of writing the tests and then becoming um, more involved and seeing the stats on the code coverage almost sort of gamifies the process for you. And, and you know, not that you could ever have 100% coverage on everything because, you know, you've got the Apple system libraries and everything else that you can't do anything about, but you become sort of, you know, this challenge to how much of my code can I get in this coverage and, and write tests for. And so, you know, there are ways to make it fun. It's not just a something that you should hate and avoid. You know, as developers, we when we sit and look at it and we say, well, you know, I could write this new feature that I've come up with this idea for, or I could write some tests. Well, of course, you're not going to pick the tests, right? I mean, there's nothing exciting about that, but there should be because later on down the path, six months from now, a month from now, a couple of years from now, or you hand it off to another team member or somebody else, or maybe you sell the application. Having those tests in there help people understand, you know, what your code's doing and, and why it's doing it. So that's what I've been doing this week, um, some testing. But I also want to give a shout out to Donnie Walls. And I found this post that I'll, again, I'll include a link in the show notes. There was this great post that he has about writing better to-dos. And, and the post is actually titled, Five Tips to Write Better To-Dos in Xcode. And I'm not going to go everything in the post here. Um, you should look in the show notes and go read this post. It won't take you long, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. In particular, I liked the idea of having my to-dos marked as warnings, and he offers a couple of suggestions there as to how you can do that directly in the code or how you could use Swiftlint to do that. And the idea there is that, you know, because it comes up as a warning for the compiler in an Xcode you can't ignore them, right? And you can't, you know, they won't get lost. Sometimes we put comments in code and, you know, the comment just gets lost in the stream of time and, and other things. But when they come up as warnings, it's a lot harder to ignore them. So I really like that idea. So thank you for that, Donnie. I'm actually going to start doing that and, and having these flagged as warnings so that, you know, they serve as a great reminder right there in my code every time I can see them. And also means I don't have to keep tracking a notepad or some, you know, some app to to track them. They're right there in the code. So that's what I've been doing this week. And with that, I think that's that's probably enough for, for this episode. Uh, please like, subscribe, you know, all the usual things. There's a link in the show notes to, to rate this episode. Um, it really helps me to understand if I'm doing the right thing, right? I'm giving you the, what you're interested in. And if you have suggestions or questions, or, you know, maybe you want to uh, have offer up some content that you think might be useful to my listeners, um, I'd love to, to tell them about it. So reach out to me on the website, compileswift.com forward slash contact, um, or you can reach me on Twitter, which is, you know, at compileswift, and on Instagram as well, compileswift on Instagram. So with that, uh, have a great week, everybody, and I will speak to you next time. Take care.